Good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Status Al Wada. Uh, I'm Bassam Haddad. Uh, very lucky and uh, fortunate and uh, honored to be joined by two fierce uh, writers, authors, movers and shakers, Mazna Qatu and uh, Ala Al Shihabi, who are in uh, one way or another connected with the new stellar issue of Merip, Middle East Report, Paper Trails. And we are going to have a conversation about the issue. Uh, Mazna Qatu is on the editorial committee and uh, Ala Al-Shihabi is one of the authors of the articles therein. Uh, Mazna and Ala, uh, marhaba, ahla wa sahla. Marhabtan. Ya hala, marhaba. Uh, okay, that's probably be the only Arabic. Uh, most of this is going to be in English. We are very excited to have you with us uh, uh, on this uh, uh, podcast conversation on status. And uh, the basically, we are always, uh, since I was, you know, in, in, in undergrad, in, in, I'm not going to say what decade. Okay, fine, it's the 80s. And uh, we always uh, waited for Merp issues to come out. And it was part of how we uh, were uh, nurtured as as young uh, writers and then scholars and, and researchers and so on. And every issue actually carries uh, with it uh, so much promise in terms of uh, knowledge production, uh, in terms of an archive, uh, in terms of research. And this one is not only no different, but it actually seems especially um, uh, wonderful. Uh, Paper Trails uh, is the uh, title of the issue, number 291, and we will be talking about it. And I am very happy that uh, we have both, you know, somebody on the production side and and somebody on the actual um, author side. And I'm sure we will uh, cover much of what's in there. The table of contents and everything uh, will actually be published on the page. So I'll stop here and I'll ask you guys to introduce yourselves in however which way you'd like, although your bio will, will be fully featured um, on the post and uh, let us know uh, a little bit about the issue, uh, generally speaking, and then we'll delve maybe into some of the articles. Okay. Um, hi, uh, Bassam. Thank you so much for having us. My name is Maznam Qatu and I'm a, a historian based at the University of Cambridge. And I'm a member of the editorial committee of Merip. Um, and, you know, th- this issue of paper trails was envisioned as a way of bringing together some of the different conversations that have been happening across the Middle East um, and in scholarship around how we think about um, the retrieval of documentation and archives and how we conceptualize archives and paper trails um, and and their role in politics and social movements um, across the region. So it was a really kind of interesting um, and exciting um, issue to put together in the sense that it allowed us to have multiple scales of conversations with scholars, organizers, activists, campaigners, and to think in uh, different about different sectors, the financial, the logistical, uh, the political, um, and the state. And uh, yeah, so I'll leave it there at that for now. Thanks, Mavna. Um <clears throat> I'm Alak Shahabi. Um, I'm a, um, a researcher and um, an activist scholar uh, working at 
University College London at the moment and one of the co-founders of an investigative platform called Bahrain Watch. Um, and I was invited to write a paper about our work um, that began sort of around 2011. Um, so I trace in my paper three different examples of the work that we've done, in which I'll talk about more, I guess, in, in, during the podcast. But yeah, again, I, they, they, there were multiple um, examples within the, this issue, which connected the dots between um, different aspects of paper trails. And what this issue has done really is talk about public accountability and the way citizens can um, use different traces of, of the, the paper trails left behind when states conduct actions that may be counter to some of the movements we're seeing uh, in the region. Thank you, uh, Mazna and Ala. Uh, let's delve right into the issue itself. And I have some uh, questions to ask about, you know, wh- why why this topic and why now? Because it's it's actually very uh, productive to be addressing these matters, especially after the uprisings, especially after so much has been uncovered. And, and frankly, especially that we are delving deeper and deeper at the micro level uh, regarding uh, the states and the processes and the, and the state's relationship with various actors so this is this is extremely illuminating and 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 uh, productive but let's look at the uh, before we get to the some broader questions uh, can you um, uh, let us know uh, mezna uh, you know give us a quick uh, survey of of the pieces in there i see about uh, eight or nine articles and uh, and a review uh, and i see a lot of uh, different topics covering uh, various countries and various uh, dimensions uh, of, of uh, the, you know, the, the larger paper t- trail topic. So if you can just, you know, navigate us through uh, some of these pieces, especially that, Mezna, uh, your uh, tweet, which was a, a set of tweets uh, that uh, you uh, put out uh, a little bit ago, was really fantastic uh, as an introduction to to the issue. It it uh, kind of captured the diversity and the richness of it. So, uh, grace us, please. <laughs> um, thanks, Basam. So, I maybe I can kind of think about if you can think um, about the issue uh, as sort of a, several bundles of conversations, and one of the things that Marip has been trying to do more recently and hopes to do more in the future is to build issues around one particular theme or question. And so in contrast to earlier editions or earlier issues, um, all of the pieces in the um, issue are about paper trails. Um, and this includes the review. So what we, what I tried, you know, what we tried to do is to have uh, pieces that address things from multi- from different scales. One is about the retrieval of documentation and paper trails. What is what it takes to do so, how one can do so, and the prices and costs of doing so. So if we have, for example, um, you know, Wissam uh, Shaibi's piece that is about um, who, in fact attempts to confiscate, steal, seize materials that rightfully belong to, in his case, the Iraqi people, and how the paper trails of a state get um, sort of get stolen and, and, and become the property of an occupation and become property, in fact, and, faci- and facilitated 
by international and humanitarian organizations to be removed from the people who most need that paper trail in order to hold their state and regime accountable for crimes and you know, in, for the sake of justice. We also then have a piece by Shay Haskani who, who does a different, slightly different move. So there's been this really large conversation around um, the Israeli state archives and the closures of the Israeli state archives, the difficulties of Palestinians and others uh, in attempting to access different, um, site, different parts of the archive. And he, he kind of calls on us to read that closure a little differently. So here's the case of someone saying, well, what happens when a, an archive is closed? What can we read about its closure and how the archive, in fact, constitute itself, constitutes itself in such a way that um, it directs us and misdirects us? Um, in fact, um, you know, taking us on uh, cul-de-sacs and false roads so that we might not find in it uh, that which we seek. Um, and in this case, accountability. Um, and then we have pieces by Florence um, that, and, and Ali. In Florence's case, I think what is extraordinary is often we uh, mystify of the, what it takes to um, find paper trails or what it takes to find the kind of the operations of a regime and its relationship to corporate interests and finance. And she tries to demystify that for the reader. It's almost like a how-to of how to find how the state hides. Um, and I thought we thought that was really important to have because we need a way to A, talk about um, you know, the, the state as sort of having diffuse interests outside the country and how it does that sort of work, but also that, you know, there is a possibility for individuals to kind to seek that um, trail. And you know, Ali Abagan's piece is a reflection on how communities in the midst of the Arab uprising, in this case Egypt, understood very quickly that the paper trail would be is housed. It has a materiality. It has it's housed in these institutions, and that if they are not seized, if they are not taken at that very small and thin sort of opening and po of possibility, that they might be closed. And so his reflection on both that initial swell and surge into the state um, intelligence apparatuses, and then why it didn't manage to hold on to the paper trail, um, is, that, is a kind of call to sustain the work of demanding um, um, the, 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 a rightful ownership to documentation, but also some of the ways in which it starts to fall apart as a demand, um, as a result of conditions. And so then you have a kind of a set of pieces that are about how communities and activists and campaigners use these paper trails for different causes. We have Hisham al-Bustani talking about how leaks, uh, in particular um, international leaks of the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers, and Alat Shihabi's work uh, with Bahrain Watch, how you how these paper trails allow you to then read back and read through how regimes function and how we might hold them accountable. And a reflection in both cases on both um, how people gather around 
paper trails and how paper trails can be used as sources of political and social mobilization on the one hand, and on the other hand, how they then, how that search, though it does allow for that mobilization, leaves one incredibly vulnerable to regime capture and regime violence. Um, and then we have a, a set of pieces that are about um, Zakiya Salim's piece, that, the, that is a kind of reflective rumination of how whilst we, you know, people attempt to find paper trails and documentation, in fact, produce their own archive. And how the um, organizers who created and built this incredible movement against the silver mining company uh, in, in, in the Maghreb end up creating a kind of protest camp and a protest culture and uh, sociality that then is its own archive of what it means and what is produced by protest. And David Price um, uh, talked us through in this uh, profound little piece who, you know, and he's a kind of someone who's been active in this work for a really long time of what it takes to uh, find your own, the paper trail of oneself and uh, the consequences to going down the road of finding out what the state knows about you and how they've utilized that knowledge against you in ways that you may or may not be ready to know. Um, and finally, Andy Clarno offers the sort of community end piece to that, which is about Little Palestine in Chicago, which in fact is a community I grew up in, and a, a wonderful documentary by Asya Bundawi, and a, that attempts to study both how the community found out that there was this decades-long uh, surveillance operation uh, targeting them, but also the consequences of both finding uh, both that um, surveillance operation and of finding out um, the, the 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 extent of that operation has had on the community. So that's a, a little bit of a summary of the uh, table of contents. <laughs> Sam? Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> um, I was talking on mute. This happens all the time. Because uh, I, <laughs> I didn't want my breathing and coughing to get in the way. Okay, so this is more than a summary. That's actually wonderful, Mezna. Uh, the way you're connecting also the pieces together, this is actually something that uh, uh, that is precisely what we're looking for and and happy to um, uh, I would love to engage a little bit more but uh, I'd love to hear from Ala regarding her piece in the in the issue to tell us uh, a little bit more about it and then we'll we'll move forward yeah uh, my piece really um, in the way Muzna kind of structured the approach to the whole issue really situates how you search for and hunt for a paper trail um, in a state of counter-revolution so when the state's kind of reconsolidating itself after 2011 after it kind of you know forcibly crushed the uprising that began and we as a kind of um, investigative platform quickly learned that there's a power in trying to um, bring about public accountability through the use of paper trails and documents that kind of refute the claim making um, that the state, especially in the Gulf, the Gulf states do all the time. So, you know, here we had a state, um, as Bahrain perceived in the kind of global narrative as a sort of exception. These are rentier states. Um, Bahrain was slightly different but um, and unique, but here we're saying, no, actually, Bahrain is situated in a global economy 
And the way the regime is also empowered through kind of military arms, information control, surveillance, is actually a good way as a lens into a lot of similar um, actions and processes that are taking place in many other states, and actually not just Middle Eastern states, in the middle of you know, cracking down and repressing uprisings, they're actually being used across the world. So then Bahrain suddenly became interesting, right? And suddenly there was a connection with some of the issues that we were talking about. It wasn't just kind of broad slogans around democracy and human rights. These were kind of, you get into a bit about, you get into kind of exposing some of the ways and the processes. So it's not just about, you know, buying a flashy hotel in London, in central London, that's worth, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's actually, you're questioning where the source of that um, income came from. And it's not just the kind of a, 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 a broad general slogan around corruption, even though people perceive it, even in Bahrain, I mean, even people that live in the country sometimes don't understand the complexity of how these transactions come about. So we very quickly learned that through kind of open source investigations, um, once we started with the open source, which is actually just for us to dig around online and through different document databases, we then started getting leaks from, from sources. Um, people working with the state, people work who were once in the region, Bahrainis, non-Bahrainis, who started saying, hey guys, you know, you guys, and it, it was definitely part of a trajectory where there was a sense that we need to fight back. Um, so there was a kind of a momentum and impetus that we had as a, as a platform. And so my paper really talks about three examples of this. The first one was really about, the first one was about surveillance. Um, so in, in managing to dig into the, the surveillance tools that were being used, in fact, I, I received one in my email, and then turning this into a, a scholarship. So um, th this became Bill Markzak, my colleague's PhD topic, and is now his you know, postdoc, and there's a kind of a big program, research program around looking at um, the commercial hacking industry. Really, the first example we got of that in, in terms of evidence was in Bahrain, even though we knew it was being used in Egypt. So there's another paper, Ali Ragan, she talks about this in her paper, how they raided the, the Ministry of Interior in Egypt. And we saw the contract between the Egyptian state and um, and, and the surveillance company called Finfisher, um, so Gamma International, and the software was called Finfisher. But in Bahrain, I actually received this as an attachment in my email. So then we talk about how in tracing kind of the use of the surveillance technology, we then get to the the the, the most serious and um, dangerous one, which was the NSO group, which was used to target Jamal Khashoggi. And so there was a whole journey um, where we need to use technical analysis to understand this global commercial hacking. And in fact, a lot of the Middle Eastern regimes outsource their surveillance capacities to private sector um, organizations. Um, and Israel being, and the NSO group being one of them. That was one example. The second example that I talked about was to do with arms. And so, you, you, you know, Bahrain is really kind of notorious for these pictures um, of tear gas and protests and, and this kind of repression of peaceful activists. Um, but we knew they were being used at, in this at a crazy scale, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of canisters were being used in a small village. And there wasn't really a justification for this, but once again through a source, we got an example from the Ministry of Defense, where the Ministry of Defense want, was asking for around one and a half million tear gas canisters. It wanted to procure these. This, this was a tender document. And so we thought that this is behind stockpiling tear gas, it's not just you know using it for its kind of annual use. This is it, kind of having a stockpile of millions and millions of tear gas canisters, which was which corroborated the idea that this is being used to collect as punishment and literally 
maybe they don't want to shoot people dead, but they will literally drown an entire village. And instead of one person dying, you know, because of live ammunition or two or three people, you'd get lots of people dying because of secondary respiratory problems, young infants, adults. And so this document became a sort of um, a, a quite a important story for the Financial Times. We worked with them to say, look, this is this is this is insane for a small country like Bahrain to be using this much tear gas. So again, this is an example of how one document could then make this an interesting case study. Um, and finally, the last example was um, around. Um, I forgot my own paper. The first was surveillance. The second was um the second was the, sh the, stop the shipment oh yeah the land is the real estate so this is one that that really i was really kind of um involved with really heavily was was that someone just i just opened my inbox and someone had sent a 22 page spreadsheet and um, sheets upon sheets of transactions where um this company uh, called premier group was buying loads of uh prime london real estate um five-star hotels in in the most expensive you know and so in you know in the west they love this idea that rich shakes come and buy up prime estate you know on fifth avenue or in, in mayfair in london and it's fine you know buy half of london it's, it's okay no one really questions the source of that income but in Bahrain, since 2009 um a group of us have been looking into the source and the source of this income because Bahrain is a post-oil state, really. Like we, 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 this isn't just you know um, barrels of petrol that's converted into dollars that are then just spent you know at the whim of of a, of a royal prince. It's it's actually in Bahrain. This was there was a we see this physically that the sea was disappearing, the shoreline was disappearing, kilometers of land were disappearing from the sea, and parliamentarians and um, environmentalists and fishermen and and you know there was a general movement before the uprising and in fact and we i'd argue that one of the kind of it wasn't a, you know there was a sectarian narrative about the Bahraini uprising but really it was around centered on this idea of, around equality and corruption and um, there were protests on this issue and so but this was all forgotten you know it became about iran and saudi arabia and um the gulf peninsula shield but when we went back a few months after the uprising to say, hey, hold on, after I got this, this email, let's revisit this, this, this case again. And again, uh, involves seven months of really kind of, this is where the forensic accounting comes in. So you need a particular kind of financial and economic skill to be able, you know, this kind of investigation is quite tedious. It, it just lots of kind of financial reports, brochure, financial brochures, you know, finding traces in the details of these documents. Um, cross-checking documents that you've received. So even though I've got a spreadsheet that directs me, it kind of points me where where to look. That one kind of there's a there's an image I can't remember on what page it's on in the in the in the in the um in the issue uh, page 44 where you see um, a diagram. These would the diagram that we show is basically just to describe it briefly is is um is lots of boxes. It's a spider web. Um, and this is typical, and it's a really interesting case study because you, you hardly, other than the Panama Papers, you hardly get a sense of how complicated um, investment holding companies for individuals, rich individuals, sheikhs, kings, princes, whoever you want, uh, are constructed. And all of this is really kind of getting under the skin of how global capital actually operates and the process of that. So this was a really kind of unique glimpse into that because we knew people in the finance sector would talk about Premier Group, but I could never get anyone on record to talk about the group, even though everyone knows that's the holding company of the King. So everyone would literally switch off the camera. And um, 
And so, yeah, we had an example. So I talk about that in the paper. And those are just kind of three examples from the Gulf. Thanks, Ella. This is remarkable, and uh, you know, I wish I wish we had you know more authors on this call to uh, go over uh, these uh, these pieces. It actually makes, uh, I mean, it makes you know, it makes one wants want to read them actually more, not less. When when they hear, uh, like for instance, you talking right now, this is what this is actually quite rich and. Um, I'm sure the others are equally uh, rich, the other pieces. And before we go on, I would like to uh, just remind uh, whoever's listening that even though this issue is stellar, uh, the past four, five, or six issues have been awesome. I'll just go over them very quickly. Uh, the Latin East, uh, starting with with the uh, uh, winter 2017, the Marib issue was titled "The Latin East," uh, which is actually a very uh, powerful issue uh, based on a conference in in New York, uh, in which uh, Marib Jadalia and and NYU were involved, and it uh, uh, it it now is I think being translated. Uh, we're all translating the some of these pieces uh, into uh, Arabic and Latin and Spanish, and it's something that uh, will come out uh, soon. Uh, the next issue was spring 2018 called Suffering and the Limits of Relief. The one after summer 2018 is Cities Lost and Remade. The one after is uh, Fall 2018 Confronting the New Turkey, which is a really fantastic issue. Uh, given uh, what is happening in Turkey and given how little a lot of people know about Turkey uh, uh, within, not just, you know, geopolitical relations. And then, of course, the sad issue, uh, but very powerful one on the fight for Yemen in winter 2018. And prior to this current issue uh, in spring 2019, uh, the new landscape of intervention, which is, again, a very necessary uh, topic about the uh, uh, gamut of interventions in the recent in recent history and of course this one paper trails summer 2019 uh of course be you know i would like to uh, get uh, uh, mezna's uh, take on how this issue was produced and whether uh, it is something that uh, uh, foreshadows uh, the similar sort of research that actually is uh, not the kind of thing that you would actually read, like say, 20 years ago, a Merp issue or any other uh, similar publication uh, would focus uh, much more on, 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 let's say, macro level issues. So is it something that Merp is is uh, uh, basically leading in terms of uh, uh, delving more into some of these issues that are not necessarily uh, part of... Uh, uh, what what we used to read uh, usually uh, in the recent in recent history. So is it is it that and and were were there um, uh, for instance places people and uh, dynamics that that uh, you we want to feature but for some reason uh, couldn't couldn't do that in this particular issue. If you can just tell us a little bit more about the production process, the thought process, and something about whether this foreshadows more uh, writing along this, these lines. Uh, sure. I think that, you know, the a lot of 
this has been sort of a conversation that has been ongoing for quite a while, and it reflects a broader international concern and growth of concern around questions of uh, surveillance, around questions of whistleblowing and what we do about what is revealed and the leaks and the steady um, um, uh, quantity of leaks that have emerged from various figures, including Snowden, Chelsea Manning, but also very everyday people who have felt uh, that they must do something as citizens, as people who feel complicit and don't want to be so complicit any longer. Um, so it's kind of part of a broader conversation, a broader political context that is already there. And there was two kinds of ways in which Merip enters. The first is, is that, uh, you know, as a, a, a site for critical studies uh, on the Middle East, it was hoped that we could bring, bridge the conversation between the geostrategical, the broader political, with uh, an investigation of how we even find the materials by which we can read that scale of politics differently, uh, anew, um, give it texture, give it a sense of who, uh, of the figures, of the people, of, the, of capital, in fact, as well in a different way. So that was one of the sort of animating logics around this issue. The other is that we wanted to expand the kind of writers who would write for America. So as you might've noticed, quite a few of these writers, this is the first time they've ever written for America. And that's quite exciting. And it bridges activists and organizers, which has always been America's strength, but also young women, um, uh, scholars who are still a an early, an early stage of their career, as well as older, more wizened uh, scholars of the region, um, as well as political campaigners. Um, one of the writings is, was originally submitted to us in Arabic, and we translated it, which is something that hopefully we will do more of, which is to bring you know, voices from the region as well to bear. Um, so these kinds of two things are, are ones that we hope to continue to do more and to bring more re different readerships and different scales of analysis to thinking about politics and history and um, society in the Middle East. I um, do hope that also a, 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 an issue like this offers pedagogical value in a very more direct way, in the sense that it offers uh, capacities for thinking about how one does research on questions, what things are elided by sort of the uh, everyday banal kind of initial steps in researching um, Middle East uh, society and history and politics. And so these are also um, pieces that help us think about different sources and materials for writing politics. Um, and, and one of them, one of the articles, uh, Lale Khalid, is in fact directs us on how this might be a pedagogical tool um, for doing uh, that very thing. That's wonderful. And, and as, uh, uh, as we move forward, we will keep an eye out on what next uh, might appear uh, from Merp along these lines. And we would love to have this conversation actually 
uh, on on future issues. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Mezna, for telling us uh, a little bit more about the process. And and I, it looks like I butchered your last name. Can you pronounce it properly so I so I don't pronounce it based on the English spelling? It's pretty close to the English spelling. Katu. Uh, Katu. It's not Katu. Okay, Katu. Yeah. Um, uh, like Adu, Katu, uh, Satu. Okay, good. Zay- Kutta, kutta, cat. Oh, <laughs> a little better than. <laughs> I know, but but it's it's um it's colloquial, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Gatu, we say that in Bahrain. Gatu. Okay, that's uh, is it al uh, qatu mezna or is it qatu? Uh, uh, <coughs> it can be, yeah, al qatu. Okay, uh, th- uh, thanks mezna very much, and and thanks Allah, and and before we, I mean, I would like to see if you have. Uh, uh you know uh, some last words but uh, i have a couple of things to say and before i say anything i'd like to uh, ask you to tell us a little bit about your uh, subscription uh model and uh if you would like to say something about uh how people can get the uh, issue can they get it separately or or do they have to subscribe uh, of course we'll have all this information on the post itself with the link but is there anything you'd like to uh mention about that aspect yes absolutely please do subscribe to Marib. it is a, a really crucial source of resource uh, resource for the continued existence of this historic, at this point, um, institution and uh, journal. Uh, we, you may be able to, we have, this is also the first issue that is fully digitized. So we're moving into the 21st century a little slowly, but we got there. And uh, so you can download a copy of this issue in particular, but also subscribe to Merib, um digitally. Uh, we have a very fancy and beautiful and long in the making uh, website where you can find all that information. You can also donate. You can also, um, you know, eventually we you can also purchase uh, different articles, etc. And uh, we will hope to add different kinds of materials in the future, including primers on specific regional issues that will be in addition to our bestseller on the Palestine-Israel conflict. And we will, you know, hopefully um, continue to build out uh, more explicitly online material that is separate from the material of the issue in uh, Merit Online. So we're excited for everyone to engage with the website, with this issue, get in touch with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have ideas of issues or topics or articles that you would like to write, that you would like to read, please do get in touch with us. And I guess the website is www.merip.org. Mesna, you have you have this approach of an announcer. That's really awesome. Um, <laughs> Broadcaster. You know exactly why. Why don't we think about that? I mean, why why don't you do that? Like for every issue, like you you guys, both of you, uh, you know, are remarkable. And then of course, uh, uh, Allah bring in, brings in the uh, in addition as added value brings in the British accent. I mean, this will be a remarkable, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, like a I mean, I, podcast. I, yeah, I, it would be wonderful to start a Barrett podcast, and uh, I think it it's certainly something that um, could add um, a different scale, you, you know, a different register 
to yeah, your Yeah, I mean, look how, how easy this was, and and we'd love to to help in any way, shape, or form. Um, we'll still interview interview you anyway. Uh, okay, so this is uh, this is this has been great. I am very excited about this issue because, uh, based on the research that you know many of us are doing, and 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 what I'm looking at, uh, and and my own interest in the question of of uh, the state, um, and of course in light of the recent uh, uprisings, however. Uh, finished or unfinished or to be continued they might be uh, these sorts of topics are basically unveiling all sorts of dimensions about uh, the region politics in the region the state in the region the relationships many of which have not been addressed studied and scrutinized as much as they probably should have been but this provides an opportunity this context today in the region provides an opportunity to uh, carry on this sort of research even in tough spots uh, Alas work is remarkable uh, you know many of the countries in the in the uh, Gulf region are not very easy to to uh, penetrate access and do and do research but of course so are others uh, today including Egypt Syria uh, Libya uh, Yemen, of course. So it's it's really remarkable that uh, everyone has uh, continued to to push uh, the boundaries and try to um, bring the Middle East to to all of us who have who are not able to go to uh, to it or to all parts of it. So that's that's something that I'm looking forward to more uh, penetrating uh, topics of this sort. And and we all know that if anybody can deliver these. Um, uh, nuggets these this formidable uh, this formidable sort of knowledge production it's MERP so uh, I would like to uh, thank you so much both uh, Ala and Mazna for being so awesome and uh, if you would like to say anything uh, before we close because I might not have touched on uh, on everything that needs to be touched upon please go ahead um, thank you so much, Bassam, and thank you for facilitating this conversation, for the incredible work that you all do at Status and Jadalia. Um, I did just want to say that I'm very thankful to Hussam al-Hamalawi for the incredible image that graces the cover of this issue of a young man reading through material um, uh, in the midst of shredded documents at the Nasr City State Security Headquarters. It is a beautiful image, and, and we're really quite grateful for his um, offering it as part of Creative Commons. And uh, yeah, we look forward to conversations ahead. I also just want to thank uh, both of you, actually, Bassam, for, for all the support that Jadadi has given young and um, early scholars. I remember it was one of the first places I published in, and also Muzna for reaching out. Um, she's, she's, She's out there listening and watching and um, and following, and it's been great pleasure working with her. Thanks, Ella. Ella, you you mean you're not young anymore? I mean, <laughs> why, why, why why would you out yourself like that? No, I I'm, I just, I'm following your example, but uh, you graduated in the eighties. I graduated in the 90s, oh my, so I'm not that much younger. Oh my younger. God. Yeah, I know. I know. This is this is not good. This this time thing, I, I didn't know about it. That's going to happen like that. No. Uh, well, thank you, Mezna and Ala. And, uh, you know, it looks like we have this thing going on this podcast, on this particular conversation. Maybe we should do this more often uh, and we can talk about all sorts of things. Oh, okay, so thank you very much again. And I will uh, be... Uh, 
uh, in touch uh, with uh, more questions about future issues. We'll also include everything about this uh, discussion in the post, including the links to uh, Marip's uh, subscription page. Uh, and I'll also uh, make sure that we have a, a fantastic uh, production of this issue, uh, exhibition feature on uh, Jadalia, uh, where we uh, address the table of contents and, of course, a note from the editors. We hope to see you guys again. Uh, enjoy your uh, time in London. And uh, this is Bassam from the greater Washington area. Uh, I've never said this in any of the podcasts I've done like for years. I don't know why I said it, but, you know, uh, I said it. Uh, thank you so much, guys. See you. Thank you. Take care. London out. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.